0: Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. There you go. Now that is a proper beginning. Welcome to this week's Police Science Snippets. Three bits of information from published academic research articles that I've trolled through on your behalf to try and find something that is useful, actionable, practical, and something that you can hopefully apply in whatever your role is straight away if you're working in law enforcement. So these are publications from the fields of police science, investigative psychology, forensic psychology, evidence-based policing, anything that was done in that kind of area, also applicable to military, other law enforcement and um, intelligence. So every week I go online and read them out and try and put a little bit of context around them or post some questions that maybe um, were raised in my mind when I read through the, um, the information that was posted about the article. And I also email the snippet and the link to the original research straight into your inbox if you're already on the Police Science Doctor email list. If you are not already on the Police Science Doctor email list, you can join anytime for free. You can also leave anytime for free. Um, just Google Police Science, go to doctor.com or dr.com, and you can enter your details, name and email address into the field, <clears throat> into the form that pops up or you'll find it at the bottom of each page. So the first snippet for this week is about security versus police in schools. Recent policy changes in a number of states and political pressures resulting from acts of mass violence have led policymakers to face decisions between the use of police school, police school resource officers, SROs, so these are police officers, and security guards, either police or security guards. In contrast to the police security sorry the police school resource officers SROs, the use of security guards in schools is not systematically related to student arrest or suspension rates. The findings suggest that non-sworn security guards may provide a form of security personnel that minimizes the criminalization of students relative to the um, police personnel. So it's very important to avoid criminalization of um, young people. If we can possibly Keep them out of the criminal justice system, that would be great because if we put cr- young people into the criminal justice system, we are dooming them to a life of heightened, heightened, heightened risk of reoffending. And that's exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do. So if we can avoid criminalization by having non-police deal with them in these, um, as security guards in these contexts, in these settings, I assume this was done in the USA, that actually helps to avoid um, keep um, to avoid getting them into the criminal justice system. They weren't talking here about many other outcomes, but I thought that was quite interesting and relevant to you. The second snippet for today is about police attire and the perception. Participants received sorry participants perceived officers as more effective and procedurally just when the officers were wearing uniform as opposed to civilian attire. Officers were perceived as most procedurally just when wearing the high visibility vest in the context of a road in the context of a roadblock. However, wearing the vest exhibited negative effects for perceptions of effectiveness relative to the standard uniform in the reactive crime context, for example, burglary and siege. Um, so, <clears throat> they they looked at how procedurally just the police appear based on whether they wear a uniform or whether they were a civilian. Um, dress. So this is the only thing they looked at, and when they were wearing uniform, the officers were perceived as more procedurally just. What they didn't cover was uh, something that I haven't investigated myself and I haven't seen research on this, but I have wondered if you might get more information and if you might find it easier as a member of, of the public to build, a, build up with some kind of rapport and a relationship and um, some kind of comfort Uh, with a police officer if they're not in uniform so i have wondered if the uniform might prohibit a little bit of disclosure Um, but that's not what they were measuring here so this was just looking at the perception of procedural justice and that is higher with uniform Um, also if you're wearing a high vis yellow vest you're perceived as more procedural just especially in the context of a roadblock however not so much when you're actually responding to an incident like burglary for example then it was maybe a little bit of overkill So just to put this into context, the third one is about rape records and reports. Significant numbers of rapes recorded by the police are not the result of a victim survivor making a formal report that they have been raped and or that they're seeking a police investigation. Historic rape may have been mentioned during other disclosures and are recorded by police without the victim necessarily wanting to pursue a rape investigation. This has implications on outcome figures. So in this article, we're talking about the fact that a police officer might be going through the DASH questionnaire, domestic abuse, stalking and harassment. That's something we use in the UK to try and assess the risk of a domestic abuse victim um, or the, the risk that they are experiencing. As part of that, you know, there are questions such as, have you ever been sexually assaulted by the perpetrator? And they may say, yeah, you know, they 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 he he rapes me sometimes, they're married and some something like that. So that will then often be recorded as a rape. However, that victim does not necessarily want to prosecute, prosecute the partner for rape. So that will go into the statistics as a reported rape that then doesn't have an outcome, um, doesn't have a positive outcome, doesn't have the victim the victim's support, and that's what they're talking about here. That the outcomes that we have for rape are horrendous, the conviction rates are horrendously low, but maybe one of the factors is that actually many records of rape are made not by the victim actually wanting that to be investigated. It might be peripheral reporting, if that is a word. So um, that was the snippets for today. I hope that there was something useful to you. I hope you um, that if there wasn't anything useful for your particular role today, that you'll find something in the other weeks. If you are on the list, you have also got the password to access the read page on policesciencedoctor.com, where you'll have all the PDFs with all the previous police science snippets from all the previous weeks. Uh, So knock yourself out and I'll see you again next week. Until then, let me find the outro. Bye-bye, there it is. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.